0: Welcome, beautiful humans, to Empowered Sobriety. I am your host, Lindsay Fauna. And I'm your other host, Abigail Gerber. We are both
1: trauma-informed life coaches in hopes of empowering individuals to see beyond their addiction and recovery into compassion, love, acceptance, and freedom. Empowered Sobriety is a podcast for those considering sobriety, are newly sober, or already living a sober life and wanting to up-level their growth in sobriety. Each week, we'll be dropping episodes discussing topics such as childhood traumas, PTSD, sober dating, and sober sex, how to enjoy the social scene, and is AA the only path to sobriety, plus so much more. Along with bringing on other sober coaches that have done deep transformational work like we have, we are also hoping to bring on anyone who feels called to be coached on air by us. Hello, Empowered Sobriety community. This is Abby, and I'm with my amazing and tremendously beautiful co-host, Lindsay.
0: Mm, thank yeah. you.
1: <laughs> Today, we want to bring you shadow work.
0: Dun, done, dun, dun, dun.
1: I kind of want to say it's a buzzword, but it's also not a buzzword because Carl Jung, he was a psychologist. I think he was Swiss. Was he Swiss. No idea. One of the quotes he says, which I love, is, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. Mm. (laughs) Shadow work is a lot of our unconscious patterning. And being an addiction podcast, I feel as though it is a really – important subject to talk about especially around addiction because there's so much shame there's so much buried anger guilt like all those like really big feelings but they're also in the shadows and driving us and driving addiction mm. and driving the behaviors
0: lots of hiding
1: yes yes mm-hmm. what shadow work is is bringing awareness to those unconscious patternings. We talked last week around pausing. And one of the things I've noticed around me is, because one of one of my shadows is complexity. Also, another shadow I have is a lot of times I have an inability to not hear myself, so therefore I can't hear others. Mm-hmm. And where the complexity and the deafness come in, and I'm using, um, if you've all ever heard of The Gene Keys by Richard Rudd, it's a transmission by him, really recommend. It's a whole thing. It's a whole system, but it's been really eye-opening for me. What complexity means is, especially in addiction, because we're constantly trying to get things sourced from outside of us. So food... And I know we need to eat, but a lot of like sugar addictions and carb addictions, those are things that are coming from the outside and you need them to fill something in. Shopping addictions, internet addictions, self-help books, (laughs) self-help
0: podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, big one.
1: Uh, Definitely have binged my fair share of self-help (laughs) podcasts. So all that stuff, like, and just stuff I bring into my house, like just buying shit that creates complexity in my life. If you just pause for a second and if you're in your house, take a look around. What does your environment look like? Because your inner environment is reflected by your outer environment. I'm not saying that we need to live the Zen Buddhist lifestyle by any means, but there is something in that where having a lot of stuff, so it creates an energetic pull on you that you're not even fully aware of. Here's an example, spring cleaning. Like how everybody knows how that feels when you open up the windows, when you garage sale everything you get rid of everything you get you create space the shadow doesn't want you to create that space doesn't want you to find the pause it just wants to keep addicting where that compl- that complexity creates a lot of internal noise because culturally i have a lot of messages coming to me as obviously through advertising, that's well-proven, but also through who we surround ourselves with and in the environments that we grew up in. There's a lot of complexity and there's a lot of noise. And so your internal knowing doesn't get shut off, but the outside noise, so to speak, the environmental noise such as the quality of your thoughts. You could think of that as your environment, which I really love. I just recently heard that that your environment is not just like your outer physical space, it's actually your inner space is your environment. Mm-hmm. And so that was really loud and that was so loud for a long long time, especially in the darker parts of my addiction. Right now for me, working on the complexity and the deafness is to simplify so when you bring awareness to something you then bring so you, you become aware okay this is what is driving me that's a lot of the work wouldn't you say lindsay that that just becoming aware of who you
0: are it's a lot of the work yes just bringing awareness to ourselves our behaviors how we show up in relationship in our life, in relationships to ourself, you know, and the more aware you become, the harder it is to ignore it.
1: Mm. Yes.
0: Once it's out of the box, you can't really put back in the box.
1: (laughs) And to, you know, go back to the pausing. If you're listening to this and you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Cultivate the pause. Take a few moments each day. Take a deep breath between activities or if you're going from room to room or from email to email, phone call to phone call, those are moments to invite pauses. The minute you get in your car or the minute you're about to leave your car, those are all opportunities for pauses and take a deep breath.
0: Especially before meals. It's a big one. Yes.
1: Mm, Yes. And what about even after a meal? Mm -hmm. Before you get up and put the dish in the sink, like take a pause. And that is a really good way to cultivate presence and awareness. And it also begins to start a new patterning because the patterning and addiction, there's no space. There's no space between one thought and the other. And the mind is, and the emotions, your mind and your emotions are totally, you're totally ruled by them. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. Yeah. So shadow work is really bringing those unconscious patterns to the light. And once you become aware of them. So for me like oh my god, okay, I really noticed just like how much stuff I had. And I was constantly buying stuff, not like on an epic scale, but there's very few days where I didn't spend money of some sort. Like, you know, I'm I'm no sugar right now, no processed sugar right now, but my brain is constantly trying to think of ways to get sugar and mm-hmm. I got to go buy it. I just started really noticing that. So, so okay, this is my awareness of my shadow, is that there's just a lot of busyness. Yes, I meditate. Yes, I do yoga. And there's still programming that I'm not fully aware of. So by me cultivating the pauses, I'm starting to see like, oh, shit, okay, yeah, I really can't hear myself right now
0: mm-hmm. or
1: even be alone with my thoughts because my thoughts are so deafening mm-hmm. and I, my inner knowing is so turned down. So the next step would be compassion, cultivating compassion, that you are having a human experience. And that we've all been through a lot. So you're acknowledging your pain. You're acknowledging what you've been through, what you've done, just being really present with it. Lindsay, what are some of your compassion practices?
0: Mm. (laughs) Hmm. I would say... The one that I practice most right now is the inner dialogue. So, for example, when you were just speaking about our thoughts and them literally being deafening because they're just in overdrive and we're so enmeshed in the thoughts and we Deeply believe that we are our thoughts.
1: Yes. And our emotions.
0: Yeah. And then there's like this judgment and this shame that comes with the thoughts that we have because we're deeming them as who we are. And with thoughts, the way that I forget who said it to me, I forget where I read it, where I heard it, but it's this analogy that I have where thoughts are the trains that come into the station and go, and you are the self that's sitting at the train station on the bench and being the observer of the thoughts that are coming and going is where we are working to be. When you're fully enmeshed in your thoughts and and you believe that you are your thoughts, you're getting on and off each train you're riding the train around, you're getting on, you're getting off the next station, you're riding the next train, you're getting on. off, And it's this chaos. It's this, this chatter that just, you cannot get away from. For me going through this work, my understanding is to become the observer. So I'm going to talk about parts a little bit, but I have this inner critic who is a fierce fierce mommy. And my compassion practice is meeting that inner critic and inviting compassion into that space. Because if I don't, then my judger will come in. And then my judger and my inner critic are running the show. Then there's absolutely no space for compassion. And so, my compassion practice is to come in when the inner critic comes up and acknowledge and offer myself, allow myself to have compassion for these parts that come in that are trying to protect me. The more that I practice that, the more compassion I experience and the more compassion i have for the world and everyone around me
1: yes through my work i am seeing it's all a hologram like everything mm. even like ancient sages have have mapped the cosmos on the body you know we're a reflection of our environment and we're a reflection of each other mm-hmm. but we've we've spoken a lot about projection like if you're finding, if, you, if you're if you having a real hard time with someone else, ooh, that's because it's in you. If you spot it, mm. you got it. Mm-hmm. So what you were talking about with parts work, like the more you become aware of what is actually happening. That's why I really like parts work. We haven't really talked about it and we'll be doing a podcast on it soon, but it's really teasing out like we're taking an inventory of what your mind is actually doing.
0: Mm. It's getting to you know yourself better. Yeah.
1: It's, yeah. And who's actually running the show? And you start to pick it apart. For me, parts work has been really instrumental in pulling away from my mind and my emotions. I'll never forget yeah. when I when I read like you're you're not your emotions, and I was like, what? What do you mean I'm not my emotions? Like that's <laughs> – no, your emotions and your thoughts are created, you know, but that's not actually – like a lot of that is stuck stuff coming up, giving you an opportunity. And recycled. Yeah. And giving yeah. you an opportunity to get it out. So whatever's happening in front of you is reminding your unconscious of something and it's like, ooh, hold on, here. I'm going to bring this up, this emotion, this like rage <laughs> is a good one that's easy, easily accessible with some people. And, and then it's, it's mirroring something and giving you an opportunity. So you can look at all this work as just simply opportunity to cleanse, to cleanse Mm -hmm. your channels.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was with a client on Sunday and a part came up. And I think the biggest thing that I'm learning in parts is that our parts, for lack of a better word, are a part of us. Like it's just, they're there and they were created. What I'm noticing is that we deem them as wrong or bad a lot. And we almost hold shame based on a part. The practice for me and for others Mm -hmm that I'm working with, is the acceptance. Not trying to change anything, especially if they're running the show and they've been running the show, my inner critic has been for such a long time that I'm just in the process of acceptance of the inner critic. I'm not trying to change it. I'm not trying to push it aside or give it a different job at this time. It's really just the acceptance of all the parts of myself.
1: Yeah. It's important to know that the inner critic thinks it's keeping you
0: safe.-hmm:
1: As a child, these yeah. parts turned on to keep you safe in the environment that you're living. That's addiction is a part. Mm-hmm. The addictive, quote unquote, addictive personality is a part. It is not who we are. That's why I get all fired up around calling yourself an addict. Mm-hmm. No, that's not who I am. I don't identify as an addict. I've had addictions. No. Nope. Yeah but i have so much compassion for that part that kept me safe and to chose to drink for all those years because i had mm-hmm. all these unconscious patterns and programming systems working and that's what this is that's the empowered sobriety mm-hmm. it's really choosing to empower the decision to leave the system whatever your addiction is i mean lindsay and my addiction is alcohol so like we left a system
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and we honor that choice every single day. And parts work is, it's a really beautiful way of what Lindsay just said, to accept and then also to allow it. To allow the inner critic to be there. Because if you fight your inner critic, you're just shaming it. You're not allowing Mm -hmm. it to be there. So can you beautifully and softly allow, okay. You're becoming aware of it, okay? It's here. And then you're accepting it, okay? This is what's happening. And then I'm allowing it. And that's bringing it into the light.
0: Mhm. And it ties in with the shadow.
1: Yeah. That's the sh- yeah. Shadow. That's the shadow. Mm-hmm. The shadow is bringing parts of you that you're not seeing. That's really that, that's my understanding of it. You're, it's parts you just mm-hmm. don't see pieces and patterns and thoughts and emotions and stuff you're just not seeing and can you bring it into the light
0: and can you be with it can you sit with it
1: allow it to be there
0: can you can you allow it Mm -hmm. to be with you in the light
1: for me and the parts work that i've done in the past and i want to hear from you too the inner critic i call her carol (laughs) (laughs) Mm mm-hmm She is a manifestation of what the world is telling me to do. Sit up straight, suck in your stomach. Don't talk like that. Don't say this. Don't say that. I mean, it's all just, it's all of the, it's all the messaging, the cultural, especially the Western messaging. You just take the power away. That's what it is. It's been extremely internalized in how I think and then if it's internalized then i'm then i'm going to externalize it and i'm going to put it on you and mm. i'm going to judge you and i'm going to criticize you cuz that's that's the projection so when i started to see the actual function like it is there to keep me safe i was able to give it a new job which we'll talk about in parts work for that too but i was able to finally detach from it i'm not saying that it's gone but it doesn't have the same heat that it once did you can use the inner critic by giving it a new job by by cultivating insight by assessing the situation well you know that's the third step is transmutation Mm. transmuting so transmutation is the action of changing or the state of being changed into another form. So transmuting our shadows. I want to hear from you. How have you transmuted your inner critic?
0: Oh, we're not there yet. Okay. <laughs> we're not. We haven't made it there yet because what's happening is so I was afraid to even... Go there and look there in the first place, and working with beautiful shanna shanna williams <laughs> um <laughs> she just you know holds the container for me, and so we went there and inner critic came up loud and proud, and when I was. With my inner critic in the parts work, it became almost too much, and I left, and I disassociated, mm-hmm. and Shanna like asked me a question, and then she like realized that I had disassociated, and I was in like a memory visualization of when the inner critic was created,
1: yeah, protective mechanism,
0: and then she was like. Hello, (laughs) like, you know, come back to me over here. And so I shared the story with her at the memory, and she was like, okay, can you see how your inner dialogue, when in your inner critic is basically running the show, can you see where that came from? And my inner critic is trying to keep me from embarrassment. Mm feeling embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And so my inner critic is coming down on me and being like, you know, you're you're this, you're the and that's the inner dialogue that's happening that's trying to keep me from being embarrassed. And then a part of that is almost like this self deprecation. Like, oh, I'm gonna call myself out before you. Mm-hmm can say this thing to me because it won't hurt me if I say it first.
1: Yeah. You were just talking about that a couple weeks ago with your anger. Yeah. I'm I'm going to get angry at you first and push you away before you ever have a chance to do that for me, with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an amazing protective mechanism.
0: Yeah. And so being with that part, my work with Shanna after that session was to when the inner critic was coming up, And when I could identify it, being with it. And again, just, just its presence and my presence and just acknowledgement and being with it. And then I was trying to take it a step further at first to be like, you know, oh, can we sit, I'm acknowledging you. Can I have access to this seventh grader? My seventh, yeah, my seventh Mm -hmm. grader. And it was like, again, I would disassociate. Shanna was like, okay, let's just be with the part. Let's just acknowledge. And so that's that's really what it's been is the awareness. Acknowledgement Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And so transmution, not quite yet. (laughs) But I will come back here and let you know.
1: (laughs) But there's, I mean, I'm sure, and you know, maybe you know, think about it for a second, there are things that you have transmuted you know, one of the powerful insights that came in through my ayahuasca ceremony last month was, she said, transmute your pain. And I'm like, I don't really know what that means exactly until I started looking into like, well, first of all, what the fuck is transmute, mute, you know? <laughs> or she said, Alco-, yeah, yeah, alchemize your pain. She said, alchemize your pain. Yeah. And so I'm like, do you want me to like Turn lead into gold? Like, what? I don't, <laughs> but I, I mean, I get it. I get it now. And actually, I'm kind of looking into alchemy, which is super cool. Even as an herbalist, that's kind of part of my path. There are so many things that we've already done, especially on like the choice to be sober, to choice to stop addicting in whatever addictive behavior that got a hold of you. That's already the process of transmutation. Mm hmm where I see a lot of people getting stuck is there's, you know, they are still stuck in their pain and not seeing that the decision to get sober, that's the gold. Just that decision took me out of the cultural system. Mm -hmm. And that decision is what I feed every day. So I'm nourishing that decision and that choice and how that's, transmuted, how that's changed from one form to the other, is it's turned into empowerment. Mm -hmm. I had absolutely no idea how disempowered I was. I just didn't. You can't intervene in a world you can't see. Yeah, And that's my hope for this episode, but also for this podcast, is to show people how much gold is in simply making the choice. But you got to feed it. You got to grow it. You got to nourish it. I mean it's you could well mm-hmm. let's let's say let's look at it as planting a seed the minute you get sober, you're planting a seed and it's up to you to feed it to water it to nourish it. It's totally up to you. you can just plant it and then don't nourish it and just it' just stays dormant, which I do see a lot in sobriety mm-hmm. where people are just stagnant
0: that's not moving into step three, which is the Transmutation. Transmutation, yeah. Yeah, and what, when you were just speaking about that, I was thinking about when I made the choice to quit drinking. What that did was I planted the seed and it opened a door that I never thought I had access to. When I quit drinking, the door just kind of and swung open, didn't even know it was there. And it was my choice from that point on to walk through it and continue to get curious and find opportunity and create based on walking through that door. Mm -hmm. Because the door can open when we plant the seed and we quit drinking or we put an addiction down, but whether or not we walk through it and then we create after, that's on us. Mm -hmm.
1: And these shadows, Richard Red talks about it in the Gene Keys, you know, there's, there's shadows and then there's gifts mm-hmm. that are inside the shadows. Mm-hmm. So for me, the gift in complexity is simplicity. That's actually some real-time feedback that I got from a, a friend of mine, you know, helping her through something. And she's like, you know, Abby, you just have this way of just distilling information and just can give it to me. And I can hear it really clearly. And I was like, well, funny you should say that. I've been working on it. (laughs) So I'm glad it's coming through. And then also Mm -hmm. the gift within the shadow of deafness is insight. So when you can finally hear yourself, then things become just so much clearer. The environment, when you simplify your environment and when you can hear, when you turn the volume up on your inner knowing, then you have this incredible sh- shift in, in what you bring in. So insight, just laser insight. And that one is a little like, for me, I definitely would say that comes in the pauses. When I take a pause, when I take a step back, that one drops in. So you have to like – for me, I have to allow it. I have to allow the pauses to come in and then I'll find the insight. For myself, it's easier because of the coaching for me to see it with other people because your stuff, I'm not attached to your stuff and I can easily see it. But for me, I'm like real attached to my own stuff. So (laughs) – (laughs)
0: Well, and think about like how much we're functioning and how many behaviors and how much like we're showing up unconsciously, right? Like before we're doing work and, and all of that. But even throughout the work, we're discovering and getting really curious on that. And so when we're first creating the pause, it seems super challenging. It seems like this big uphill battle where you're like, oh my gosh, it's so hard for me to create pa Like we can talk about it in this session or in this podcast or I can hear it or I can read about it or whatever it might be. But uh, for me in my life, like uh, it's going to be so hard for me to create pause and like insert it in. And it's like, yeah, it does. It takes effort, right? But we're here. We're having this conversation you're reading about it, you're hearing it on a podcast, you're, you're speaking about it in your coaching session because it's coming up at this point in your journey, in your healing. This is the next thing for you mm-hmm. is the pause. This is the next step. So creating the space with the intention is the work. Inserting the pause Even if it's like, oh, I only inserted the pause twice today, two more times than you did yesterday. And then the next week, maybe it's five times in a day. And you're like, sick. Like, I did it five times today. It was only two times last week. Like, today I did it five. And you're creating this habit where it was once unconscious that you never had any pauses. You never paused in between anything. And now you're creating this new behavior where you're pausing. And then it becomes a conscious thing. And now it's just a part of your routine. Yeah. And five years later, two years later, you're like, oh my gosh, I remember when pausing was so hard for me. <laughs> and now I pause in between every single thing that I do. And now it's an unconscious thing that I do because it's a part of my practice. It's a behavior of mine now.
1: So kind. It's a very kind, compassionate practice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think when I used the the seed analogy, I realized that I grew a, a beautiful fruit tree from those pauses that I pick from, I pick the fruits every day from that decision to get sober mm-hmm. and to cultivate an empowered life, whatever you find yourself in. Really, like like one of my compassion practices is like, this isn't really happening. Mm -hmm. Like whatever my mind is saying and my body is flooding me with, I'm just like, this isn't actually really happening. My mind for years has told me like, this is what is happening. This is real. You were being assaulted verbally. The world is ending. The sky is falling. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then I just gently say, "This isn't actually happening. Like whatever you your your mind thinks is happening, is not really happening."
0: Mm.
1: You just take a breath. It's hard. I know. I know. In those moments of hailstorms, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I take this lightly. Hail. Hailstorm.
0: Hailstorms. Hail storms.
1: Clouds are Big, falling.
0: large pieces. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so,
1: hopefully this yeah. um, sheds some light on the shadow. Mm-hmm. It's really important work. It's such a game changer in sobriety to allow yourself to see the parts of you that have been in the driver's seat. Awesome. Thanks for keeping me safe. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for me to take over. And what a beautiful mm-hmm. ride it is. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. I
0: love it. Thank you for being here with us. Yes.
1: Always so grateful for our community, our growing community. And we'd love a rating or a review if you want to be on the podcast to be coached. We'd love that for you as well. But Lindsay and I also have our own businesses and we also have lots of free resources too. So if you're not hip to be the podcast, you can still be supported by us and somehow for either low cost mm-hmm. or no cost at all. So just reach out. It's up to you.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to Empowered Sobriety. We are nothing without our community.
1: If you'd like to be coached by us on air or have any questions, email us at Sobrietypodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram at podcast.